You're listening to Something Real with Pastor Rich Seidner, connecting the reality of God to the realities of life. Today, we're talking about where it all began, what's most commonly known as the Christmas story. Yeah, we're doing it in April. But we're talking about why the birth of Jesus is important from that very day and why Luke includes it in his gospel. Well, this week we're going to be uh, looking at Luke chapter 2, and it seems kind of funny in April to be looking at the Christmas story. We're not used to doing such things. I'm for it. (laughs) Christmas in April. Uh, But just like everything else, and as we looked at in the beginning of the book of Luke, we need to ask ourselves, why is the writer including this story? Why is he putting this in? Why is he putting details into the gospel that the other gospel writers are not including? Mm-hmm. In fact, only two of the, of the gospel writers, Matthew and Luke, talk about the birth of Christ. John starts back at, at the beginning of time and creation and, and looking at Jesus as the word, uh, that he was the eternal God then. Uh, Mark jumps right in, uh, in you know, sprinting into, into life, but his is a shorter, more action-packed uh, narrative. So why is he including this? I think uh, as we go through this, um, it becomes pretty evident that what what Luke is trying to establish here in um, in creating this foundation for a reasonable faith, not a, not a secularist, not a materialist faith, but a faith with reason, is to show that the Messiah, Jesus, didn't work his way up to that he wasn't he didn't later on become messiah he didn't achieve uh, a certain enlightenment he was is and always will be god and uh, he was born already as christ the lord that's really interesting and kind of crazy to wrap your mind around that when you think about (coughs) this little baby with all of that you know and and as far as i know there's not a ton known about you know, young Jesus. But I guess my question has always been... This is pretty much it. We see it in this chapter. And after that, anything else beyond that is speculative. So how do you think about, you know, Jesus as a two-year-old, Jesus as a five-year-old? You know, did he... Obviously, he knows who he is and what he is, but that's difficult to wrap my mind around. And at what point did he know that? I mean, obviously, he doesn't have the the intellectual capacity in utero to to see that. He, He doesn't know that as he's learning to be potty trained so we, that's crazy there's some jesus to had about. to learn to be potty yeah. trained like and, you that's, know that's it's a mind-blowing thing it is. I, I think to to look at luke and and john i think those two in particular we see them in tandem um the the picture of the humanity and the divinity of christ the, de- the deity uh, specifically of christ uh, is kind of mind-blowing because here he is the word with god in the beginning he is god uh, we see Paul writing Colossians that everything that was made was through him. Paul, mm-hmm. John says that at the beginning. Uh, Colossians uh, tells us that, that everything was created through him for his pleasure. We see this picture of Jesus not as the you know the the you know let's all be buddies kind of picture that we have had in recent decades. Not the idea of um, you know, <laughs> what if God were one of us, just a slob like one of us? Not, not that. Well, that'll be in my head. Now. You know, um, <laughs> but 
that he actually is the creator of the universe, the majestic being, and all of the the super powerful cosmic superheroes in the movies, there's nothing compared to who he is. And yet, at the same time, He's fully human. He's fully human. <laughs> he is utterly dependent on the placenta of a young woman for everything, for for oxygen, for food and, and nourishment. He is born like anybody else in, in blood and pain and, and uh, hardship, and he uh, has to have his diaper changed. He created the universe and has to have his diaper changed. And I think the, the fact that Luke draws that out even here as we, we go into this super familiar story that you know Linus reads in the Charlie Brown special and you go through this, we see God working through the, something as mundane as taxes. Right. Here, here's the, the, the world's most powerful leader saying, you know what, we're going to tax people, so we're going to have a census so we can raise more armies and all, and all this. And God uses that to fulfill the prophecy that the Messiah would be born in Bethlehem. And we see this through Joseph, an ordinary dude, not just ordinary, but poor. These are mm-hmm. poor people we're mm-hmm. talking about. And we know that because uh, later on in chapter 2, they offer the sacrifice that the law of Moses prescribes for poor people. If you were not poor, you would bring a, a, a lamb or you know, you'd bring a certain sacrifice. But for poor people, you would bring uh, you know, pigeons or doves <laughs> because God makes provision for the poor. Mm-hmm. And so Luke puts that detail in here to let us know Joseph and Mary were not, you know, they're below middle class. These yeah. are poor people we're talking about. And so Jesus is born and she wraps him in swaddling clothes. Why is that significant? It's not. It's significant because it's not significant. He's pointing out that she did what any mother would do. That was how you handled a normal human baby. And at the same time, there are angels outside, you know, no big deal. Filling, <laughs> filling the entire area with the praises of God. Yeah. They show up at the temple and this is, you know, where we're going next week, but they show up at the temple and this dude they don't know, presumably don't know, says, hey, this baby's the Messiah. Yeah. He doesn't know this baby. The angels didn't show up to him, but the Holy Spirit of God has impressed this upon his heart. His life is changed by encountering this baby. So in, we're, we're going to be preaching on, on Sunday, uh, verses 1 through 20, the, the Christmas story, the nativity proper. And as we go through this, the, the shepherds, the most common folks you could have. This is in Bethlehem, it's a shepherding town. So mm-hmm. that's what they're doing. They've mm-hmm. got all of the, the temple sheep that will be used in Jerusalem. They're raising them out here. And, and here are the shepherds doing what shepherds do, hanging out. And then an angel shows up. Is it Gabriel? It doesn't say, but probably. It seems like a logical thing. It may not be. doesn't really matter. Uh, if it mattered, they would have told us. Yeah. And God didn't inspire <clears throat> Luke to tell us that. But what we know is here is <laughs> here's in the middle of just normal everyday stuff, God shows up with this. <laughs> Seems like a theme. Yeah, right. <laughs> it absolutely is. And that's why Luke, clearly why Luke is including this. He sets the story in this, um, in these parallels, these contrasts, where he juxtaposes the, the, the divine and the common all the time. We saw it in chapter one with Zechariah and Elizabeth. Uh, from this priestly family in a priestly role, and Mary, the common girl, not in any way related to that. We see it here where God even is using um, 
the the evil nation, you know, yeah. what what all Jews would have considered the evil Roman Empire, and he's uh, he's taking <laughs> their just regular governmental activity and using that to accomplish his purposes. And then the angels show up and say, guess what? I got good news. Not just good news, but this is good news that's for everybody. Right. It's going to bring great joy to everybody, not really every individual person, because the showing up of Jesus is really bad news for those who are already condemned, as yeah. we see in John 3, where, where um, Jesus says, I didn't come to condemn the world, but to save the world. But anybody who doesn't believe in the Son of God is already condemned. So that means this good news that brings joy, good, uh, great joy for all the people isn't for every single person. There's no universal salvation here. And mm -hmm. the Bible's really clear about that, especially as you get into what's going to happen in the coming kingdom and judgment is passed down. <clears throat> but, but these shepherds and angels who have this, this contrast between uh, these you know just dirty common workers... And angels who yeah, are right. lighting up the sky. Right, right, right. And, and first it's one, and then it's countless angels. And, you know, we always picture them up in the sky. It doesn't actually say that. They, they're there. They're heavenly hosts. It doesn't mean that they're, you know, you know hanging out in the heavens singing, oh, right. you know, they're, they're saying glory to God in the highest and on, on earth, peace to men on whom his favor rests. Not peace in general. We know that there's no peace. We can see that. Watch the news. We know that's not the case. But peace with God through this chosen one, this anointed one, this Christ that uh, the Jews would call the Messiah. And so as he's working through this, it's significant. And I think this is really kind of the point that Luke is trying to make in the whole thing, summarizing what the angel says in uh, verse 11, chapter 2, verse 11. Today in the town of David, David's significant, a Savior has been born to you. He's already, he's, he's, he's a baby, and he's already the Savior. And it says he is Christ the Lord. It doesn't say he will be. Right. It doesn't say, you know, he is, uh, you know, he's Jesus. He is the anointed one. And even more significantly, he is right now already the Lord. Today. Today. <laughs> So Jesus doesn't become that, and he wasn't God's plan B. You know, we broke the system, and you know the the sacrificial system didn't work, and the law didn't work. So God keeps trying, and He sends yeah. sends Jesus to be this great teacher, a great prophet. Luke eliminates that possibility of Jesus as just a, a great teacher or a great prophet, like so many would like to to portray it, by saying, "Look, from the beginning, this before was... Jesus says anything." Before John declares him to be the Lamb of God, which he will, the angels from God are showing up and saying, this baby is already Christ the Lord. He right. is your Savior. Right. I mean, how, that's too much for me to wrap my tiny mind around. <laughs> <laughs> it's certainly too much to hit in a podcast. Right. If we're trying to keep any kind of time limit here. Um, but... I guess we don't know, like, was there some big epiphany for, for Jesus at some point in his life? Like, right. whoa, this is who I am. Or, you know, I just can't grasp that. Like, is he a five-year-old, right, yeah. you know, going around? And, and you, hear about, you hear about when he's a child going into the temple, but that's it, you know? Yeah, and we'll see that, you know, we'll see that uh, story of Jesus in the temple coming up soon, it, it, also in chapter two. But sometime before that 12-year-old period, perhaps during this weekend, but in all likelihood before that, right. Jesus does know. He does realize 
who he is right. and what his job's for. And we don't know when. Or how. Right. Is it because the Holy Spirit in him, you know, has has revealed this to his human mind because he is deity? Right. Or is it because his mother raised him from the cradle hearing the story of the angel and knowing, you know, here are the prophecies. You, you got to know as a mom, you know, being a mom yourself, if an angel says the child you're going to bear is going to be the fulfillment of all these Old Testament prophecies, you're not reading People magazine. You're <laughs> going to be out there trying to find what are these prophecies? What, yeah. what is, where does Moses talk about my baby? You know, so you got nine months before your baby's born of going through the scriptures and saying, okay, oh, wow, is that, that's my baby? I can't believe it. That's what's going to happen, yeah. And so, you know, how much did Mary get? I I don't know. We don't know. Um, Many would believe, and I think it's logical to think that Mary was one of Luke's primary sources because a lot of this information he really could have only gotten from Mary or Mm -hmm. somebody who Mm -hmm. who Mary told it to. Um, Later on, especially as we get into the latter half of the book of Acts, he's actually there. Then he becomes an eyewitness. But... Up until that time, he's all, um, you know, investigating from Accounts people from who are actual eyewitnesses. And do you know how long Mary lived after Jesus' death? I do not. Okay. So we don't know technically when Luke's asking her this or when she's telling him all this. If, right. if she's one of the accounts. Right, yeah. And it seems logical that she would be. Right. Uh, I, I'm sure... I'm sure that many of our Catholic friends would have a take on that. I, I don't I don't know. You that's may an have, aloe for that burn. You, you may have. It's not really meant to be a burn. I'm just saying that, that no, that's a focus. And, sure. And uh, Catholic, um, the Catholic Church has held on to many uh, traditions. Unfortunately, some that they've elevated to the level of of, uh, of essentially Scripture. And yeah. that's I would disagree with them on that. But but because of the nature of it. Um, they have probably in many ways a better take on church history than most evangelicals who yeah, are a yeah. little bit lazy, I would say. Sure. So that's more of a burn. So. <laughs> you smell for that burn, evangelicals. Um, so, I mean, I, I guess that's what's what I'm, I'm dealing with is the history of it all. And it's, that's I'm still, convenient because that's what Luke's dealing with. Well, yeah, I, I'm, <laughs> I feel you, Luke. Um, so... Getting back to, I guess, our, our central point here, the idea of instantly Jesus is, is fully a human and fully God. So why is that important right away for us to know? Yeah, and that that is really the heart of the question. We right. have to ask that going into it. Why is that important for us to know? And so Luke is establishing, just as he did in the beginning, that you know supernatural stuff is not on the fringe of of the faith. This mm-hmm. is not, you know, the exception, this is the norm. Mm-hmm. The the deity and humanity of Christ in this this special union of God and man that is only him, it's unique to him, the only God man. Uh, this is central. Mm-hmm. And so he's establishing this as a foundation because apart from that, the rest of the story falls apart. If well, he yeah. isn't God, then his sacrifice doesn't, doesn't cover. Matter. And if it and if it isn't, you know, um, if he isn't human, then his sacrifice doesn't cover it. So in in either case, and we'll get to some of the details of that stuff when we get, you know, toward the, the end of Christ's earthly ministry. When we're seeing the miracles that he's doing, it's important for us to recognize he's not the miracle man. He's not some... Uh, some shaman who's you know coming along with magical incantations All or right. uh, you know he's some kind of witch know, doctors working <laughs> out his dianetics or whatever it's it's not those things 
he's actually God. And he's actually communicating, demonstrating, using these signs as sort of a, a, a identification badge, if you will. Okay. You know, I am who I say I am. Here's the authoritative teaching. Let me just back that up by saying I'm going to feed you 5,000 people with these loaves and bread. Yeah. You know, I, I'm going to walk on this water. Not because, you know... It, I'm trying to gain a following for myself, right. but because I want to make sure that you understand that there's credence to these words. And and not gaining a following for himself, I think, is really a, another important key that we'll see. Jesus continually drives the crowds away. Away, yeah. And he continually tells people, yes, I know that you've been paralyzed your whole life and now you're not, but don't tell anybody. Yeah. Not because he doesn't want people to follow him, but because he doesn't want people to follow him. People need to follow God, follow Christ. He is God. He is Christ. But don't follow the person. Not the, it's not, it's, I'm not trying to get a show here. Right. I'm not trying to get you know a, a cable contract or... you know Not da- David Copperfield. None of that is stuff. Is that an outdated reference? Probably, but it's still good. <laughs> you know, I still like it. It's, it's not a Chris Angel thing, you know, yeah. which might also be dated. Right. But as, no, I get that. <laughs> it's not the Carbonaro effect. <laughs> I'm not trying to get a show. I'm not trying to, to get people to, to come follow the miracles. In fact, he condemns that later on, and we see that. He wants them to engage with truth. He wants mm-hmm. them to align their thinking with reality, mm-hmm. their hearts with the heart of God. And in the process of this, the signs are a part of it. In fact, he says at one point, if you don't believe my words, believe the signs. Because you believe the signs, now you can believe the words. And because you believe the words, now you're seeing what God is saying. And as we process all of those things together, it's sort of a testimony, and I'm getting way ahead of myself. This is for far later in the gospel. As we're walking through this, there's a, it's sort of a testimony to the reality that we can't separate things. Yeah. And you and I had talked previously, uh, that, you know, maybe we need to do a podcast about this sometime. I think it's going to come up in Luke, um, that... What what is repentance? I mean, if this is about belief and about faith, then what is the relationship between that inner belief and my actions? Right. They go together somehow. Yeah. And yet, can I be a believer and still sin? And if I can be a believer and still sin, how does that work? Mm-hmm. If I can be a believer and still sin, but I know that sin isn't part of being a believer. At what level, you know, yeah. how, where do I know? How do, yeah. I, how do I put this stuff together? How, how does this continuum work? Because it's, it's dumb to think that you're never going to sin, whether you want to or not, you know. Yes, <laughs> and, and at the same time, no. So both, you know, there are people who will say, you know, I'm, I'm not a sinner because I'm saved. I would agree with that. Right. I've been declared a saint by God. That's how, the, how we see the references in the New Testament. But at the same time, I know I still struggle with sin because Paul says that in Romans 7 right. and Paul's way ahead of me on his walk with Christ. He's writing the God, writing the scriptures. Right. And if Paul's still wrestling with sin and considers himself in Philippians not to have taken hold of it, then it would be foolish and arrogant for, for me, me to, to think, think that, that I'm I, never going to write. Right. And yet there are many who teach that when you, you know, get to a certain place, then you're not ever going to have sin again. I don't see how you can make that case. There are some who would say, well, that you you wouldn't have conscious sin. You wouldn't deliberately sin. Okay, yeah. I don't buy that either because I don't think I've ever had a time of my life where I didn't do something wrong knowing I was doing something wrong. If you right. tell a lie, it's not because you didn't know it was a lie. Right. That's not a lie. When I have greedy thoughts or judgmental thoughts or prideful thoughts, 
there is a part of my will that is a part of all of that. Sure. So I don't know what that thing is, but, but what we're seeing here in Luke, uh, in the way Jesus handles the crowds in chapters that we're not even talking about today, in what we're seeing, even just here in the interaction between the angels and the shepherds and Mary and Joseph, is that God does not compartmentalize. All of it goes together, and, yeah. and relationships are messy. And because this is not a religion where we can compartmentalize, but an actual relationship with the living God through this living Son, the Christ, it's going to be messy. It has to be because it's a relationship. And I think that's an interesting way to think about it, you know, as we celebrate Christmas. We always, you know, like I said, for on on this day, a Savior is born. But I think that kind of, we hear that so often, it kind of goes over our heads. And mm-hmm. then we, not forget about Jesus, but we we then right, yeah. focus straight from let's celebrate his birth to let's celebrate his resurrection. Right. You say not forget about Jesus, but we kind of do. We kind of do. You know, we, it's, we don't deny him. Right. We don't separate him out, but we do just kind of move on to the rest of life. Exactly. And eventually move on to the ultimate, which is the resurrection. Mm-hmm. But to, to think and to wrap your head around today this is jesus this yeah. is the same jesus that is going to die for you right so celib- that's huge it's huge and, and just that phrase this day is so significant because as you mentioned earlier this is about history there, at a certain individual point in history right now at this place the savior entered the world mm-hmm. and he's already the savior he's already the anointed you don't have one, to wait for anything he's, he's already the lord but it actually happened at a point in time, and, and that's what Luke is establishing. With people, Absolutely. Right. So you see the 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 time and place setting. In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. It's not just the Romans took a census. It's Caesar, not just Caesar, but Caesar Augustus. So we're we're looking at Octavian, now called Augustus by his title. He's putting a time and a place here. And he specifies this is actually the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria. Well, there were two. There's another one that we'll talk about later on in another place. But he, he says this is actually the historical setting that you can look at this happening. And in this historical setting, Jesus is already Lord. Yeah. So it's pretty big. Whew. Do you have anything else to say about it? I have a lot of other <laughs> things sure to say about it. <laughs> Well, it's a good place to start, literally and figuratively. Um, and be sure to listen to Sunday's sermon because I'm sure you'll get a lot in, a lot more in. It might be on longer, that. yes. Uh, we're at we're about 22 minutes now, so this Pro- is officially our longest one probably yet. Probably going to beat it. We are getting longer, uh, so we'll stop there for today, and we'll definitely get further into this, I'm sure. So thanks for listening, and Merry Christmas. <laughs>